This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Rogue. Nothing personal. Word of the day is rogue. The NBA may be going rogue, ladies and gentlemen. They are thinking of switching their calendar We've heard about that, trying to figure out how to finish their 2019-20 season and its potential to be so delayed that the start of the 2021 season will not happen until Christmas Day. That's the day that uh, the NBA loves. They own it, they think, NBA on Christmas Day. Never had players who necessarily liked playing on holidays. I always wondered if the football players liked playing on Thanksgiving Always, I guess the Cowboys and Lions, I guess they'll have Thanksgiving games again. They always do. I wonder if they enjoy that. So the NBA is just thinking about doing a schedule, and it made me think about the reality of schedule making within sports and what goes into it, because it's quite a bit more complicated than I think we, we, we all realize when you're not in the game. And I'm thinking about schedules today, because of course today, can't wait, who's watching, Prime time. The NFL schedule will be released tonight. They are releasing a regular schedule, quote unquote, with an opening day ending with the Super Bowl February 7th at Derek Jeter's house in Tampa. That will be a great Super Bowl. There's room. I've seen it, especially if they're not going to be fans. There's going to be a lot of programming around it, a lot of analysis of the schedule. And all I can say is that this schedule is not definite. We know this. They already are planning for the possibility of starting a couple weeks late into October, potentially moving the Super Bowl back, getting rid of the Pro Bowl week in between the championship series, the NFC and AFC championship and the Super Bowl. All sorts of things up in the air. A lot of balls as though it's Ringling Brothers, Barnum Bailey. But how do these schedules happen? And I was having tremendous memories of the Major League Baseball schedule and what it takes to make a schedule and how it works. So I wanted to tell you a story of how it actually happens. Not the rumor, but this is actual. Let's talk MLB. It's my experience with the schedule. It's complicated, 162 games. It's an unbalanced schedule. You play 18 games on average against your division opponents. You have interleague that rotates. One year, the NL East will play the AL East. The next year, the AL Central. Next year, the AL West. And you go back again to the AL East. Switch off between within that interleague situation. Sometimes you play the Yankees in New York and then the Red Sox 
play in Miami, then you switch it three years later. You've got the geographical rivalries of, let's say, Tampa and Miami, let's say New York, New York, LA, LA, St. Louis, Kansas City, Cubs, White Sox, yada, yada. So the way the schedule starts is it comes in memo form, and it comes in the form of a questionnaire. And the questionnaire comes to each team, and it's always the annual right somewhere around May of the pre- of the actual season you're in. You get a questionnaire that says, let's say we're in the 2019 MLB season, you get the 2020 schedule questionnaire. So you go right to Zoom, set up a meeting with your stadium operations people, with your baseball people, and you go through and you answer questions that are asked. The questions range from, would you prefer to open at home or on the road? Would you prefer to host a game on the following holidays? Memorial Day, Jackie Robinson Day, July 4th, Labor Day. Then it goes through, are there any dates that your ballpark is not available? And it's a fill in the blank. It's not a multiple choice question, as in list the dates, your ballpark's not available. Then it says, are there any other special requests that you may have? The reason why they have all these teams do this is that when you get your team's schedule, It doesn't just come out of the air. There are teams that have different thoughts in different ways. Now, why do you think certain teams would like to host or not host certain holidays, certain days, start on the road, start at home? The general rule of thumb is if you're a Northeast team, you do not want to start at home because not only are kids still in school in April, but you're risking bad weather. When you're in the South and you have a roof, let's say, like the Marlins did after 2012, we would always be okay starting at home because we knew that no matter what we said, the odds were that we were going to start at home because there won't be any delays because of the roof. When it comes to holiday games, each each team has a different outlook of that. My outlook always was I never wanted to host holiday games because it was always a problem for us drawing. Now, you're going to cynically say we'd have a hard time drawing on a normal day, but we always had a hard time drawing, let's say, on Memorial Day. But that's not uncommon. In New York, as an example, they'd never want to host on a Monday Memorial Day because that's when people are coming back into the city. It's a holiday. People really don't have a big interest in playing that day. Uh, and you normally would have to play an afternoon game. And teams who generally make more local revenue of higher, higher attendances, they don't want to have any afternoon games because night games tend to draw more people. You also want to host as few games as possible before school is out because you think the kids are coming to your games. You think the parents can't really get away for nighttime games when they have to be up early with the kids for school. So the thought is you want to host as many games as possible later in the season. So you'd put that request down. You've got other events. You're hosting a Billy Joel concert, a Springsteen concert, a Winona Ryder concert. That's not her name, Coca. Winona Judd. I think that's her name. Whatever you're doing, hosting concerts. So you therefore don't want... Uh, certain days because you can't. You've committed them to a concert promoter. So you have to write down those dates. Then you want to host a certain team on weekends because you know the general rule of thumb in attendance is it's 
better to make an already good day great with an opponent. You can't take a bad day and make it great with an opponent. A midweek April game, no matter who your opponent is, you're going to struggle more than a weekend. So we always wanted to, for example, host the Cubs on a weekend. We'd want to host, the, if we had the AL East, the Yankees and the Red Sox on weekends, because then you can take what would be, let's say, fifteen or 20,000 and make it twenty-five or 30,000. So incrementally, it's easier to get from 15 or 20 to 30 than it is to get from 5 to 15 when you're talking about what your attendance is. So now you have to picture that there are 30 teams filling out this questionnaire, all of whom have their own desires. So the questionnaire is coming to baseball. You don't hear anything because there is a scheduling committee within the commissioner's office has a couple owners on it. There's also a company that is employed that has a Dr. Seuss-like computer program that spits in all the variables and spits out a schedule. So all the variables are put in. The Red Sox are not available on June 4th, on June 12th. The Mets are not available on May 15th, May 31st. The The California Angels, the Los Angeles Angels would like to host on July 4th, but not on Memorial Day, which is May 24th. So all these things get put in the hopper. And somewhere around July, you get what's called draft one of the schedule. Draft one of the schedule is when you get who you are playing and the preliminary dates with no times. So there's no morning game, there's no afternoon games, no night games. You get your list of opponents. But instead of just getting your list, you actually get every team's list. So you see every team's schedule. Most people ignore that, but I would study that intently because I was looking for anything that I perceived to be unfair that the computer program could have missed. So I will look to see how many of the requests that I asked for were granted. Then I will look to see which teams are hosting which teams when, who's got weekends. So I'll pay attention to which small market teams are hosting large market teams on weekends. I'll compare the number of weekends that I have because over a 26-week season, you have 13 weekends at home, 13 weekends away. I pay attention to road trips, how many West Coast trips, how many three-city trips. I pay attention to airline miles. What is the order of the trip? I don't want to take a trip that goes Arizona, then New York, then Milwaukee, then back to Florida. I don't want to go across the country, come east, to go to the Midwest, to come back, because that's just more miles flying. The more hours in the air, the higher your contract is with your charter plane provider. So there's tons of different levels that we're looking at. And then we haven't even gotten to the fun part. The fun part is when you look at your schedule and you talk to your baseball guys and they say, hey, you know, we'd really like an off day here. We look like we have an off day there, but we could use it because we've got 15 games in a row. We have a long flight. So if we could have switch this off day to that off day, maybe a Thursday off instead of a Monday off because the general off days in baseball are Mondays and Thursdays. And by the way, we'd like an afternoon game on Wednesday because we're then flying out to California. So we'd like to get there in order to get some sleep so we don't land at three in the morning. Because as part of the schedule, when you get it, we go to our traveling secretary who comes to us with what the flights would be for each road trip, each leg. So we're looking at arrival times in each city. So I'm looking at all that. And then we start the argument with the sales department who says, listen, We need to do two camp days during the summer so we can invite kids. So those have to be afternoon games. Then we want to do a weather day. 
That's another afternoon game. On top of that, we have a Star Wars night. We have six bobblehead days. We'd like to have the bobblehead day against a better opponent because we'd like to do a 20,000 bobblehead run because our sponsorship deal calls for a minimum of 20,000 bobbleheads. And if we do it against a crappy opponent midweek, we're going to have 14 people here and we're going to end up with a million Julian Tavares bobbleheads and we're going to have to somehow get rid of them. So all these people are outside of my office and they're all saying all their things. And of course, it's all about them and they're looking at it from their silo. And my job is to make the silo come together. I'm looking for, if you're watching this, I'm putting my fingers together. But if you're watching this, you see that. If you're not watching it, I'm trying to have a symbiotic relationship between departments. So then we get to the great part. I've negotiated with the different departments in my own team. We come together with what we think would be reasonable. The next step is a free-for-all. You actually call other teams. If you've got a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series against the Chicago Cubs and you want to make it a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday because you want Monday off, you know the Cubs are also off that Thursday so they could move it. You call the Cubs and say, hey, any interest, and I would do this with the other team presidents, the traveling secretaries speak to traveling secretaries, GMs speak to GMs, presidents to presidents, owners to owners. That's generally how it's supposed to go. You call up and say, first, the rule is the traveling secretaries have a shot at it. They go, they have a conversation. Hey, how do you feel about moving the Monday game to a Thursday? Then we've got stadium operations people who all know each other. They'll try. How do you feel about moving Monday to Thursday? And the way they do it is that they actually then go speak to their GM and their president and their owner, although owners generally stay out of it. They just want to know what the financial ramifications are. They want as many night games as possible. There are certain teams who are super cooperative about that. And then there's like the San Francisco Giants or the St. Louis Cardinals. They wouldn't move one game ever. And they would call us and say, hey, we're playing in Miami We'd love you to play an afternoon game on Wednesday because we have a night game back in San Francisco Thursday. Do you mind? And I would keep a list of teams and how many times they would say yes to our requests and how many times they'd say no to our requests. And if there's a team that had an imbalance of too many no's, then I was coming back with a no. It puts the P in petty, but boy, did it feel good. It felt good because I was always fine with acquiescing generally because I understand why teams decide that they need to move games, why they want to change start times. It's money. It's business. I'm all in. I get it. But there are some teams that are ruled by the baseball people and some teams ruled by the finance people and some teams have a president who's willing to actually compromise. So you go in and you try to change the hours of the game because you want certain afternoon games. As I said, some teams cooperate, some teams don't. And then you come up with your brand new schedule. It gets resubmitted into baseball. They then look at the entire schedule, feed it back into the machine, have it come back out. And then somewhere around August, you get your final schedule. So... There's definitely a lot to talk about when it comes to major league schedules. There will be a lot to talk about with the NFL schedule release. That'll be more weight of schedule, strength of schedule, who we get to play in non-conference games. I'm in. I love that stuff. I'll be watching all 17 hours of coverage tonight. Why wouldn't I? Well, tomorrow is going to be one of my uh, great moments. 
I don't know if you read this. By the way, I should mention one thing to you. Thank you for downloading and subscribing, rating and reviewing. Don't forget about the end of month mailbag bonus pod. It'll be the end of May. Rate five star on Apple. Review and ask a question, please. And thank you. Tell your friends about nothing personal. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am being with you every day, Monday through Friday. Tomorrow, there's going to be the biggest Zoom call of all time. Adam Silver, the commissioner of basketball. Michelle Roberts, the head of the NBA Players Association, is conducting a call with all players, supposedly, all of whom will be on the Zoom call. Now, if you've been doing Zoom calls, you know that there can be a challenge with Zoom calls. People may not, may not know how to use it. There are people who are potentially, shall we say, not technologically savvy when it comes to when to mute, when not to mute. How do they turn their video on? What's their background? We've seen some pretty funny things happen. Did you see that, uh, that media personality in Spain who had that half-naked woman walk behind his, his uh, um, Zoom in the middle of a broadcast? That was interesting. Or did you see the lecturer at the University of Miami who had his tabs open when he shared his screen? Yikes. There's something called clear all recents. Do it. You won't be sorry. Do it immediately after opening and using any tab. Clear it. While I understand we're all quarantined, it's not a good look for a lecturer to have tabs that start with the word nasty and end with the word subscription. So the Zoom call is going to happen. And I want to do the Zoom call for you. I want to give you, it hasn't been done. This is the nothing personal version of the Zoom call between Adam Silver, Michelle Roberts, and the rest of the NBA. And here we go. Okay, it's 1247. We're going to start soon. Yes, I understand that we had called this for noon, but, you know, people are on their time. We'll give it a minute. Yes, if you, if you could just please... You can mute. We're going we're gonna to answer all your questions. No, I, I'm not answering my phone right now. I, no texts. I will share screens of exactly what I'm doing. Michelle Roberts will have a chance. One more minute and we'll start. Okay. LeBron, are you on? LeBron. Okay, we can start. Thank you all very much for joining us today on this call, this unprecedented Zoom call. I want to thank you all for your patience and understanding. And I would like to give you as much information as I have about what we're doing to get the regular season or playoffs played for the 2019-20 season. I'm hopeful that all of you are safe and that you are making smart choices when it comes to the quarantine and staying safe. I'm going to be going through what I'm doing as commissioner, what we're doing in the commissioner's office as we prepare. And then Michelle's going to talk a little bit about, from a Players Association standpoint, what are some of the things that she's heard from all of you? When you have a question or you have a comment, if you wouldn't mind, if you could just raise your hand, there's a 
tab underneath three dots right to the right of a person with a plus sign next to the what looks like quotation marks where you can, yes, just it says raise hand. If you could click that, I'm going to try to get to you. And and please, just know one thing. If you're chatting during this Zoom, this is being recorded and all of your private chats I can see. So while it may say that it's a private chat, just know it's not private. Okay. So we are beginning to think about opening practice facilities. And we need to make you understand that when these facilities open, we're going to be practicing social distancing. Mickey, Mickey Harrison. No, this is for players. What, Mickey? Uh, gentlemen, this is Mickey Harrison talking. I just want to tell you all that we have discounted Carnival Cruises available starting after August 1st. So for anybody in the family who would like to go on a cruise, we are offering a double discount. Mickey, this is the player's call. Uh, Adam, I just want to get that out there. All right. Thank you, Mickey. So when you go into your practice facilities, you have to know that you're going to be practicing solo. There's not going to be any of these two-on-two or three-on-three games. We're going to have coaches. There'll be assistant coaches, trainers. You'll have an opportunity one-on-one to get taped up. But you remember, you have to wear a mask when you go in. You have to mask when you go out. Um, Giannis, yes, Giannis. Um, um, Adam, I propose a new rule for us to start. I would like the European traveling rule to be in effect for the NBA plus a step. That would be so good for the game. I've been practicing. Giannis, thank you. We're going to get to the rule changes that may take place. I don't want to tell you that we're changing the rules on traveling. I would like to tell you that we are looking at all possibilities because you don't. Are you looking at a four-point line? Who? Uh, who's that? Uh, sorry, it's James Harden. No, James, there will not be a four-point line. Okay, okay thank you. So part of the rule changes that we're going to have to make have to do with how fan, how fans will interact with, with us if they come at all, if they don't. Second, I'm sorry? Yes, I have a second to the four-point rule. Who's Trey? Trey, there was no motion. This is not a board. Michelle, can you please explain to the players exactly what their role is on this call? Yes, Adam, thank you so much. Gentlemen. We are here to listen to the commissioner as he explains what we can do to get back to the season. We are not negotiating right now new rules at all because if they change any rules that do anything about their money, just keep in mind, you are going to have less money. Your contracts or max contracts will go down. Uh, excuse me, Michelle. Yes, this is Mr. Furtado, the owner of the Rockets. Hey, there's no owners on the call. No, I understand. But I just want to say that I think that I'd be willing to host everyone in my casinos. And for all the players, Michelle, if you could just tell them that for all the players who may be losing some money, I'm going to let them come gamble in my casinos because then they can make it back. Thank you, Mr. Furtado. That's great. Hi, I'm reporting for duty. It's Kevin Durant. Kevin? Kevin? No. No, this is not the reporting date. Please, just try to get better. Hey, uh, Zion. Zion, can we do a jersey swap? Um, who's that? Hi, it's Dwayne Wade. Dwayne, 
You retired a year ago. No more jersey swaps. Hey, by the way, Zion, are you on the call? Yeah, of course I'm on the call. And I need as many regular season games as possible, Michelle, because I'm trying to win rookie of the year. Do I have a second jaw? No. All right. Noted. Michelle, please continue. Michelle. Boys. Hey, excuse me. I've got a concert to go to, so can we hurry this up? I'm playing in a concert. We've got a lot of fans coming. Jimmy Dolan, you're driving me crazy. I gave you the link, but you were supposed to keep it on mute. Sorry. My bad. Okay. By the way, LeBron, why are you being so quiet? Uh, well, I've already been told what the plan is, so I don't need to say a word. We're going right to the finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's done. And we know it. And I can host it in my backyard. Uh, LeBron, this is Steph Curry. I'm sorry, but actually there's a new rule that means it's out opposite day. So actually the season's going to start with us at 50 and 15, not at 15 and 50. So we're actually one of the top seeds. So bam, that's my flex, Bron. Hey, Adam, I just want to say that I trust you. Sorry, Michelle, to interrupt. This is Joel Embiid. Adam, I trust the process. Guys, this is Adam again. Please, all these interruptions. I haven't even gotten through page one of my plan. You don't even see what I'm trying to do for all of you to try to improve, increase our revenue. I'm just begging you. All right. I, Isaiah Thomas? Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, Adam, it's Isaiah. I just want to say that I'm putting together the dream team again. And I would like it to know if by chance Kyrie would be willing to play because I feel you're paying Kyrie and you're invited to my dream team. Uh, Isaiah, this is Michael Jordan. Um, no, Kyrie's not invited. There is no other dream team. There'll be no other dream. Why is there, why are all these owners? Michael, you're an owner now. Yeah, I just needed to make sure the players on this call understood Adam very clearly and that you understand very clearly. There will not be any announcements on either Sundays or Mondays for the next two weeks. Are we clear on that? Isaiah, are you clear on that? All right, Adam, you may continue. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Earl Thomas. I just want to say I'm sorry. Uh, Earl, this is an NBA call. Oh, Sorry, wrong Zoom. Oh, my God. I thought this was the baseball Zoom. Uh, who's that? Uh, this is Pete Rose. I was told there's a Hall of Fame court ballot call, and I was given $10 to call in. My apologies. Pete, that's fine. Good luck to you. Can you please click off? Excuse me one second. This is Adam again. I'm getting my IT department on the phone. I don't understand what's happening. How are all these Zoom bombers coming to us? All right. Can everyone please, Kawhi, 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 we need, Kawhi, I see your name, Kawhi, Kawhi, I'm looking at your face, talk, Kawhi, <sighs> unbelievable, unbelievable, don't, all right, this is actually getting too much, what would you like to say, I know Jordan spoke, all right, go ahead, Tony. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, on this call, I would like to say for the record, my name is Tony Kukoc, not Kukok. It's Kukoc. 
This call is off the rails. We have not even gotten to the point where I can possibly tell you, Barkley, you suck. What? Who's that? Oh, sorry. This is Draymond Green. I just wanted to say that the Warriors are the bomb and Barkley still sucks. Folks, I think we need to keep our eyes on the ball. This is Adam again. And I think there's a quite a big misunderstanding about what's going to happen. Let's start with the fact that there's going to be testing for COVID-19 for all of you when you come in. That's what I'm talking about, Adam. Mark? Cuban? All right, I guess we've got every owner on the phone. Paul, what do you want? Hi, yeah, this is Paul George. I just want to be clear. Does the Q-tip actually hit the brain during the test? All right. Thank you for that question, Paul. Good question. We actually have someone on the phone. Dr. Fauci is here, and he's going to describe to you what the test is like. Hello, boys. It's Dr. Fauci. I just want to tell you that I think that baseball is the great national pastime, and I would very much appreciate games to be played this summer. I think it would be great. Um, Dr. Fa- Tony, Tony, this is Adam. The call with Rob is right after this. Oy, for Christ's sake, sorry. Okay, gentlemen, I believe that basketball will be the healing way because you are patriots. Hold on, let me just finish reading the article. Randy Levine said that we're all patriots and you're all patriots. Randy Levine, your team president of the New York Knicks said that you guys are patriots and I want you all to know that the tests don't hurt. It may feel a slightly bit uncomfortable, but just be confident knowing that it only 30% of the time will the negative tests be positive. Oh, that's great, Tony. Thank you so much. That was a huge, huge help. Thank you. So any, any questions so far? Uh, Kemba. Yes, I was just curious, Adam, what team do I play for again? Kemba Walker, thank you. That's really a question for Michelle. You can ask her when we're offline. I can't honestly keep track of any. Okay, is there any question about what it means to social gather and the fact that we're not going to have fans and that you can't have big groups of people coming with you at games? Does anyone have an issue? Philip. Hold on, let me check my roster. Philip Rivers. I don't have a Philip. Is Philip Rivers on a 10-day contract? Um. Hi, this is Philip Rivers. I'm looking for a 10-day contract, but I just want to say that I believe that all social gatherings have to be allowed to have a minimum of 11 people, but they can be said that it's just family, but I need 11. Um, Philip, that's terrific. Thank you for that, but no, no. Okay. Anyone else have a question about any possible rule change? Russell, Russell Westbrook, what can I help you with? Yes, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I appreciate that it won't be a four-point line and that we're not going to allow Giannis to always travel. But there is a rule that I think will help us get revenue back. And I know that I've been asked to make some appearances and do some Zoom calls and try to get corporate sponsors back, but I don't think any of that will work. What I actually think works way better is that if we change the rules for triple doubles, that it's actually only seven points, seven rebounds, and seven turnovers. I think triple seven would be enough for a triple double now. Um, Russell, thank you, but our competition committee hasn't even thought of that. Neither is our rules committee. Why would you? Oh, got it. All right. Thank you, Russell. That's duly noted. I'm just not sure that's going to be the way we're going to do it. Um, anyone at, 
Bradley, yes. Hi, uh, it's Bradley Beal here. I've got Pat Riley on the other line. He's trying to get in, but he just wants to make sure, am I going to be a heat when we come back? Is that true or not? Um, Bradley, there's no transactions. You're a wizard. Well, I don't want to be a wizard. Bradley, this is about COVID-19 and getting back to basketball. I know, but I want to be a heat. All right, we'll worry about that later. Thank you so much for that, Bradley. Does anyone have any other questions that may potentially, just slightly potentially be relevant to any questions about coming back? All right. The final, I see it. One more. One more. We will allow it. This is Mark Cuban here, and I would like to tell all the Mavericks players that I'm not going to open my practice facility until it's perfectly safe to do so. But when I do, we've got a lot of surprises waiting for you. I have built each of you your own clubhouse. Forget your own area. Forget your own chair. You have got a full clubhouse with your own assigned valet. Um, Mark, did you know the valet just tested positive for coronavirus? Not that valet, Adam. I've got different valets. They're going to be tested. We're going to have tests for everyone. There's a guy on Shark Tank. He came back. We've got millions of tests. They're ready right now. You won't be taking them away from anybody. So for all you Mavericks out there and Dirk, because of course Dirk has his own clubhouse because he's Dirk, you guys come back because we are in this thing. We can do this. Thank you, Mark. In conclusion, this has been a great call, guys. I thought we got a lot done here. I thought that you guys were paying great attention. I think your eye is right on the ball. You are focused where you need to focus. Michelle's going to have a follow-up call with you to talk about some things that I didn't quite get to, including how we are going to do everything we can to get the owner's revenue while having the players get as little as possible. But stay tuned for that. Okay, when you're done, you got to hit. No, no, the meeting's over. You have to hit leave meeting. There you go. That's how the meeting's going to go. I think that's exactly how it's going to go, actually. What do you think, Coca? Is there a chance that any of those things will happen? Wait to see. I think the wait to see, I think there's a very good chance. My wait to see, by the way, and this is not the end of the show, but it just has to do with it, so I got to tell you. Wait to see is when we, we're totally accountable, right? We absolutely, when we guess something or say something, it's going to happen. And the wait to see today, or if it doesn't, I'm going to tell you. If it does, I'll tell you. If it doesn't, I'll tell you. But this wait to see is that from the NBA call that we just did, there will be more than one, not one, more than one leak from that call. We will get to break it down on nothing personal like nobody's business. We'll find out what went on because, wait for it, more than one leak in the NBA call tomorrow. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. 
After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com So you want to talk to Samson. I like this, so you want to talk to Samson. It's, a, uh, it's an interesting one. I'm a little schwitzy right now. That was, Coca, that call got me a little worked up. I'm wearing a bit of a heavier blazer. I don't know why I wear a different blazer for every show, but I do. Not a different, I mean, I have a rotation. And then they go in the sort of back of the closet and I rotate them through. This one's a little heavier. And during the day where I am, the, the sun makes it hot and I forgot my handkerchief. So I do have a slight sweat going. Not the end of the world, but it's happening. So you want to talk to Samson is when people go on Twitter at David P. Samson. Thank you for following. There's always some fun stuff going on in that Twitter account. Most of it, I understand. Some of it, I don't. And go into the DMs and ask a question. So this was a question. There's always discussion of how a player plays before and after they sign a big contract. But from the front office perspective, since the player is valuable enough to be signed and there are circumstances, are there circumstances under which they use the player differently after signing to minimize injury at the cost of wins if the number of losses does not affect your playoff situation? Well, that was a very wordy question, but the point was a brilliant one. Do front offices sign contracts of players to long-term deals? And then all of a sudden, change the way we would use that player in order to not focus on winning today when there is nothing to play for, saving that player for next year. What about other sports, he finished. I'm going to talk about our sport first. And the answer in baseball is absolutely yes. So when you sign a player to a one-year deal, you have zero incentive to actually take care of that player. While we always pretend we're looking out for the best interest of the player and we're going to have the player on a pitch count, we're going to be careful of the player's elbow and shoulder and every other part of his body. The decision-making process, when you know you've got a player for one more year, you are going to take as many chances as the player will allow and you are going to prey on that player 
because the player will want to play because they're going to be a free agent the following year and they're going to want statistics. They're going to want to be able to show in free agency that they are worthy of a long-term deal. So they're going to hide their pain. And even if we see their pain, we're not going to bring it up unless they bring it up. So we don't go to players and say, huh, you don't look that healthy. Do you have a cold? Do you have the flu? Do you have the sniffles? Hmm, your velocity's down a tick or two. Any, anything wrong with your elbow? Should we be talking to you? You haven't exactly come to the training room. We're not really going to have those conversations, even though we say we do, we really don't. And the reason we don't is that we want you to pitch or play until your arm falls off or until your legs fall off. And we want to get as much performance out of you as possible. Now, are we going to put a player in a position that's going to cost us a win? That doesn't mean we're going to take a pitcher, as an example, and make him into a left fielder. But what we do do sometimes and what managers do or front offices do is we will make a manager do something or managers will do something as, an, as a general FU to management. Let's say management calls down and says, by the way, we're bringing up this player and we want you to play him at second base. We want to see what we have. And the manager who's on a one-year deal or a two-year deal says, man, we, do you want to win? Do you want to win? Because if so, I got to put my best guys out there. And we'll say, well, if you're going to play someone else at second base, we are simply going to take that player away. We will remove him from the roster. You will have no choice but to play our guy. And then, by the way, if you still don't do it, we're just going to terminate you. So here's the lineup. Play the damn lineup. But we won't have a second baseman pitch if he can't pitch. What we will do is have a position player pitch if the game's a blowout and we actually are okay with that position player blowing out his arm because he's not part of the long-term plan. And if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. We would never have a player who we signed to a long-term deal, who's at the beginning of the deal, who we think is an important part of the team. There's no way, no matter what that player wants to do, we're going to let him pitch. And I told you the Ichiro story when Ichiro pitched for us at the last game of the season when Dan Jennings was the manager, a whole nother story. We actually didn't know Ichiro was going to do it. We were furious with Dan. The relationship was broken with Dan. He got fired after the season. And then we brought him as GM and fired him before the start of the next season from that too. But we're generally going to know as a front office which position players are available to pitch because we won't allow certain position players. But when it comes to pitchers being put in a position to succeed, many times over, managers have put pitchers in a position. I'll never forget when we brought up a, uh, a player in 2000 and something, early two, three, four. I think his name was, uh, um, I want to say Logan Kenzing, but I could be wrong. We brought him in, and I think his first appearance was starting at the back end of a doubleheader against the Cubs. We've ruined so many pitchers by bringing them up too early and putting them in situations where they're not going to succeed because we thought they were ready. We needed them to be ready. We didn't have enough healthy pitchers. We didn't have a deep enough payroll to sign enough pitchers. There were all sorts of reasons why we would do the things that we did. Logan Kenzie was drafted Cocos Telemi in 03. So my guess is he made his debut in 05, maybe 04. We didn't even wait a year. God, God, did we rush players. We're guilty. We rushed them because we wanted them ready to go because it's way better to have young performing players trying to recapture the magic of a Cabrera or a Willis, knowing the fact that if we're ruining them for later in their careers, we're not going to be able to afford them. God, did I take like a true serum today? No, it's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. So the answer is yes. We always, always look at players and say, how can we use them to match our interests, 
our interests. Now, do we play them differently to minimize injury at the cost of wins? Yeah, we don't like when people get injured because in baseball, we have to pay them when they're injured. So I sort of morphed your question to what we do about generally players playing. But to minimize injuries, it really, if there's a long-term deal, we do not want that player injured under any scenario. (sighs) Okay. I watched the player last night. Who's seen the player? It's a Robert Altman movie nominated. It won a couple. It may have won an Oscar best adapted screenplay or best screenplay. It won Golden Globe best picture. Tim Robbins plays a Hollywood executive. This is a movie from 1992. There's so many cameos. You simply cannot believe the number of cameos. It is incredible and perfect. So Tim Robbins plays a executive who ends up actually killing someone. And the question is, will he get caught? Will he not get caught? Whoopi Goldberg and Lyle Lovett are the detectives, if you can believe it. But you see a ton of stars playing themselves. It's a huge, great cast. It's a very interesting script, actually. The Player is a movie that is worth your quarantine time. Check it out. Okay, I have two corrections that came from uh, my sister Nancy and my nephew Ross. I referred to cats as um, it turns out the player did not win an Oscar. All right. Thank you, Coca. But it was nominated for what? Three and it didn't win. Thank you for that. I don't have to correct that tomorrow. Coca was not on top of cats because he may not know the difference between a soundtrack and a cast album. When I reviewed cats, I said it's got the greatest soundtrack, the Broadway play. Broadway plays have cast albums. Movies have soundtracks. I also gave Andrew Lloyd Webber the credit for writing Cats. Andrew Lloyd Webber, thank you, Ross, my nephew. Andrew Lloyd Webber, he wrote the music to Cats. T.S. Eliot wrote the lyrics. Thank you. ML Beer Challenge, day 53. Day 53 is Portland, Portland, Oregon. Portland, one of the cities I went to looking to move the Marlins back in the day. Portland, the home where Chris Dudley played. Chris Dudley ran for governor. Check him out. Former Yale, played in the NBA. He's been in a few of the Jordan highlights on The Last Dance. He's one of the tallest people I'd ever met. He was like 6'11". When I met my, my younger sister, he came. I met him in, in our house one day. And uh, my sister looked at him, and she was like three years old, and said, wow, you are a giant. Because the kids say whatever they say. They don't care. Portland is an amazing city. I can't deal with the weather there, but there are great things that go on in Oregon, to say nothing of where the Nike campus is. Shout out to anyone working there and doing good things. Portland, we're going to send this actually not to the Trailblazers. We're going to send this to a foundation that Nike has. We're going to find Nike's doing great work for COVID-19, for people impacted by COVID-19, and that's where we're going to send it. The reason why I'm doing the ML Beard Challenge is that I, it's very important to me that anyone gives the amount of help, no matter what it is. It's not about the money that $1,000 is going for 100 days. It's not about if you do a dollar. It's not about if you do $100 or a million dollars or a billion dollars. It's about the ability and desire to make a difference when unemployment is so high, when each day we have more jobless numbers that just keep going up, more people are being furloughed. There are just numerous issues happening. And I've always asked, please, if you can, please go onto your favorite team's website, go to their foundation, and please give. I got a DM from a listener yesterday, and I've gotten several, but this one struck me. 
And I had, he had DM'd me about a question and I had answered it. It was not a so you want to talk to Samson. He had a question about something in life and I did my best to answer it. And I got the following DM from a listener. This is my way of saying thank you. I sent this to the New York Jets. I want to make a, so he sent the following. I want to make a small contribution to an organization that you are affiliated with during this COVID-19 pandemic. I got the idea from at David P. Sampson because he being a man of stature has given his time to listen to me. I wanted to give back in a way being a fan of the New York Jets. Thank you for your time and stay safe. Well, Charles, I say thank you to you for giving to the New York Jets and they are a great organization and they do have the ability to give that money to affiliates. And it makes me realize that one at a time, we are all making the difference. And together, we'll all say at some point, while everything has a chance, most things are business. And this is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.